Well, Merry Christmas. Hope you all are ready for the big day tomorrow. Now, I know there's a little bit of sickness going around, so can you do me a favor? Turn to the person beside you, give them a little knuckle bump, and tell them Merry Christmas, too. Now, I want to start tonight with a bit of a confession. So, I totally stole the theme for this weekend. I had in mind since probably midsummer where we were going to go with Christmas Eve. Uh, where we were going to go with the series that we're in right now, I am, but I couldn't wrap it all up for Christmas Eve. So I, I couldn't get my feet on the ground for how to walk it out. And then I was reading a book, and in the book, the gentleman talks about how he goes to New York City, and while he's in New York City, he goes and watches a Broadway play. And as soon as he says what the name of the Broadway play was, I was like, that's it. That's what I've been trying to say. That's where I'm going with it. The name of the play was Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. So... In some strange way, Spidey is helping us to celebrate the birth of Christ today. And uh, we're going to continue, if you're a guest with us, in a series that we've been in for the last, I think, five weeks or six weeks. And in this series, we're talking about two words, three letters, that every time Jesus uses them, every time he says them, it's a proclamation that is mind-blowing. And in the end, is what, it's what leads to his death. Those three letters, those two words are simply, I am. Whenever Christ said that, he wasn't just saying, you know, I'm here as a good teacher. I'm here as a philanthropist just to kind of do good things for people. He's saying, I am God. I'm above any Marvel comic book hero. I'm above anyone who may have come in the past, present, or future. When he says, I am, in each of those statements, he's making the proclamation that he is clearly God. He said it clearly, and he never took it back. Now, we're going to start tonight with an event from Jesus' life when he's grown up, okay? And then we're going to work backwards into the words of John in John chapter 1 to see what he had to say about Jesus uh, at his birth. We start with a classic scene again, a debate between Jesus and some religious authorities. They're not in the temple court. They're not in the inner part. They're just outside of it. So it would be the similar to the lobby compared to being in here in the auditorium or the sanctuary. And they're having this discussion during what's called the Festival of Tabernacles. Now, the Festival of Tabernacles, if you were Jewish, was a big deal. It was on your calendar. It was a major event. People came from hundreds of miles away just to be a part of it. And the kickoff for the Festival of Tabernacles happened at night on the first evening, and it was called the Illumination of the Temple. Think along the lines of the opening ceremony of the Olympics. They would have grandstands that they would set out in this area. And then in this pit, they had these uh, candelabras, not like what you'd see sitting on a piano today. These were giant, filled with uh, flammable liquids, and think more of a, of a torch type of effect. And then underneath these, they had mirror, mirrors so it would reflect the light even further. They said the torches alone, the, the candles alone, would light up the center area of the temple. They said with all that was around it, it would light up all of the courtrooms, the courtyards of, of uh, Jerusalem. So this was a major event. It was an extravaganza. When the event would start, when these, when these lights were lit, people would start the music, they would start the dancing, they would break out the food, and it would go all night long until the next morning as the flames begin to die out. 
Now we're at the scene. We're standing there with the lighting of these major uh, candles, these, this major explosion of light. And in this scene, Jesus speaks up and he makes this bold statement. John chapter 8 and verse 12. It'll be on the screens. John chapter 8 and verse 12. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This fulfills a prophecy over 700 years before Christ was born that's recorded in Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, it says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Jesus is saying, you've seen the blaze of the temple illuminations, piercing the darkness of the night here in the city. He says, but I'm a light that goes beyond this city. I am the light of the world. You're looking at this light and you're amazed at this fire that will burn all night long. But guess what happens in the morning? It begins to fade, flicker out, and then it dies. Jesus says, I am the light that lasts forever. I want to flip this for just a moment, and I want us to look at the, the opposite side of light, which is, which is darkness. And if anyone knows and understands darkness, it's northeastern Wisconsin in December. I mean, think about it. You get up in the morning, you go to work, it's dark. You get off at the end of the day, you head home, it's dark. And the street light is on, what, about 60% of the day? It's always, it just always has this sense of darkness. And I don't know about you, but man, sometimes it is so hard to get motivated when it's always cold and dark. And then for those of you who are gardeners, I dare you to try and plant a flourishing garden on about six hours of daylight a day. The stuff that does grow in the dark usually isn't really healthy. What happens when you go into a store? Maybe you've been there and all of a sudden the power goes out. And moms all of a sudden are, are reaching down for their kids, trying to grab their hands. Kids are screaming, looking for their parents. Women clutching their purse. Men still looking for a sale. But there's just this sense of chaos. There's a lack of clarity. There's panic. There's fear. There's tension. When you're in a conversation with someone and you're trying to follow what they're saying, when you feel out of the loop or you can't understand, what do we say? We say, I'm in the dark. I don't, I don't understand. Darkness, even by definition, doesn't own an existence. Darkness, according to the dictionary, is nothing more than the absence of light. Jesus says, I am the light. Let's go back now. We've gone from John chapter 8. We're going to go all the way back. Same author, same book of the Bible, to John chapter 1. Same writer writes John 1, beginning at verse 1. Once again, it'll be on the screens. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Quick note here, this isn't John the author. This is someone in the Bible you'll read. He's referred to as John the Baptist, verse 7. It says, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. 
the true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, through, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. In the beginning was the word, and what does this even mean? So John writes this in Greek. He, that's the language of the day. And this word they use for word is the word logos in the Greek. Now, we say word, a, a good way to say it may be the answer. In the beginning was the answer. This word logos is also used for the word logic, reason, word, purpose. In the beginning was the answer. The word, the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus' claim to be the Christ goes all the way back to his birth. Verse 4, it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I don't think it's a coincidence that the two greatest proclamations at the birth of Christ have to do with a great and shining light. Luke tells us about these shepherds who are out in the fields, and an angel shows up, and it says the glory of the Lord shines around them, and it freaks them out. I guess so. And this light lights everything up. The second time we see it is the magi or the wise men. And they're out and they're on their travels. And a great light appears. A star appears in the sky and leads them to the Christ. Jesus was born in a dark time. Caesar was a wicked and violent leader. There were a lot of wars. There was heavy oppression by the Roman government. People were praying for deliverance. God, give us hope. Give us a light. According to verse 5, God answers their prayers with the light of the world. Unfortunately, verse 10 says, we didn't get it. We couldn't comprehend it. We couldn't grasp it. A light for the world, a light of the world, and it comes in the form of a baby in a stable doesn't make sense. The idea of a king being born by nature puts him somewhere in a palace. The idea of a God being born, much less the God, doesn't seem to match with what the account is telling us. They couldn't wrap their mind around it. Now, I understand there are some of you who are in this room tonight and you are here for the joy and the pageantry and the fun and the tradition of Christmas. I get that. I love the gifts, and I love the family, and I love, in a moment, the candle lighting, and I love the eggnog, and I love the time off of school and work, and, and all that that goes around it. But some of you are hearing this, and you'll enjoy the songs, and you'll enjoy the moment, but in your mind, something is saying, not with this narrative. Not with this child to be God. It just doesn't register. It just doesn't compute. It's like something can't be grasped, just like John said in John 1. Many people who reject the gospel, the story of Jesus, reject him because they come to the wrong conclusion. They think Jesus came, that means there's more rules and regulations. But when you read the life of Christ, it was anything but. When you read the life of Christ, it says he came that we may have life and life abundantly. He came to be the light, not the shackles. He calls us to a life to walk out, but this life is full of life abundantly. Some of you are thinking, and you're wrapped up on the mental thing of, you know, if it's light and being enlightened, i got to try harder, i got to do something. It's as simple as the birth of a baby. 
the Christ child. He is the light. For some of you, it's not the claims of Christ, but rather some of the people who claim to be his representatives that just turns it off for you. I was reading this past week about Mahatma Gandhi, and Gandhi was reading the Bible, and he came across the uh, Beatitudes, the teachings of Jesus, and, and as he reads them, he's just enthralled by it. And he goes to a church, and he, go, he wants to go in, and as he, he gets ready to go in, they ask his last name, and they realize he wasn't in the right caste system to be allowed into this church. He didn't fit. So then he asked, where can I learn? Where do I go? And they said his skin tone was wrong to be welcomed into the church. He followed this up with this statement. I'd be a Christian if it weren't for Christians. The light came into the world. And we didn't fully comprehend it, didn't get it all. But those of us who, who have claimed and, and uh, accepted the teachings of Christ... We have to do our part. We have a responsibility. We carry the light. We reflect the light in a way that brings this light to others. Mother Teresa said, words that do not increase the light of Christ increase the darkness. Martin Luther King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And some of you hear that and you go, mm, I'm not that good. I don't have it that together. I don't have answers like that. I got a lot of stuff going on. I want to tell you, Jesus didn't come for perfect people. He came for you and me. Philip Yancey is an author. And he says, imperfection is the prerequisite for grace. Light only gets in through the cracks. How many of us have a few cracks in our life? A few things that we haven't figured it all out. This light has been from the beginning. Stand in awe of the birth. Celebrate the birth of peace, of joy, of hope, of love. Turn off the darkness and celebrate the light. Now I want to take what we've talked about and I want to kind of bring it into a, a little four-point summarization. Somebody asked me this week, what would Jesus want for Christmas? I thought, what a brilliant question. I like getting gifts on Jesus' birthday. Maybe Jesus would like gifts on Jesus' birthday. What would Jesus want for his birthday? And here's, here's how I'd answer that. First of all, turn off the dark and recognize the light. Turn off the dark and recognize the light. Dig into it. Don't be afraid to check it out. We have Bibles on both sides of the platform. On one side, I think we have it on both. Feel free to grab one, take it. We're talking from the book of John today. Grab a hold of it and read what Jesus said about himself. Read what the prophet said. Read what the, the miracles that he did in his teaching. Turn off the darkness. Recognize the light. Secondly, turn off the dark and embrace the light. I appreciate that you all are here on Christmas Eve. There are some of you, this is the really one out of two days of the year where you just kind of make church a priority or make God a priority. For some of you, it's maybe this day and then one day a week with an hour. I want to challenge you to weave the light of Christ into every part of your life. On your job, in your school, in your marriage. Don't just recognize the light. At this point, embrace the light. Turn off the darkness and embrace the light. Thirdly, turn off the darkness and stand in awe of the light. Stand in awe of the light. Let everything else become a shadow in the light. Some of you are in here right now, and in your mind, you're already playing through the, uh, the food for tomorrow, 
the menu that you've got to put together. You're already playing through the, the traveling arrangements you have to make for when you leave here. You're already thinking through in your mind, how in the world am I going to get the kids to bed tonight? And how in the world do I keep them from getting up at 4 a.m. tomorrow? You've got all this stuff going on with Christmas. Some of you are thinking through the gifts that you still have to wrap tonight. And I want to challenge you, in light of who the light is, let all of it become a shadow. Recognize the light. Stand in awe of the light and turn out the darkness. In other areas of your life, take it beyond Christmas. In your job, in your home, in your school, in your marriage, in your community. Turn off the darkness. Stand in awe of the light. Let everything else become a shadow in that light. When you look at his creation, stand in awe of the light in your everyday working. Stand in awe of the light in what God may be doing. When God answers a prayer request, something you've been holding out for, you didn't know where the answer was going to come from, stand in awe of the light. And when you don't get the answer you wanted, what you were holding out for, sometimes you've got to stop, step back, and still stand in awe of the light. You have to recognize what God has done for us because not every one of those prayers you prayed was the best thing for you. In the words of the great prophet, Garth Brooks, some of God's greatest answers, or some of God's greatest blessings are unanswered prayers. And then finally, the great gift that we can give Christ this year is turn off the darkness and shine the light. Turn off the darkness and shine the light. In just a moment, we'll be lighting these candles, and it's going to light up this room. You could turn every ounce of power off, and you'll still be able to see completely clear. It's symbolic of several things, the light that God gives us within our lives, the light of what it means to be in the body and the family of Christ. But after you extinguish that candle and you drop it back in that container as you go out the door, the light is still on in you. Be the light. Carry that light with you. Turn off the darkness and shine the light. Would you bow your heads with me, please? God, we thank you. For the abundant life we have because of you. I thank you, Jesus, for everything that this day stands for. As John said later in his book, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish. These physical bodies may kick off or they have an expiration date, but who we really are in spirit, well, John says, will have eternal life. And that's only because of you. We thank you, Jesus, for the life that we can have and for the light that we can be. May we turn off the darkness and shine your light. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.